Well, good morning, everybody. <clears throat> and uh, let's try. I know I'm from a small church, but it's just polite to respond when people acknowledge, right? So, good morning. That sounds better, doesn't it? <laughs> All right. So, if you would take your Bibles, and we are going to be in Second Peter uh, chapter one. And uh, I love, love this portion of Scripture. Um, it is such a huge encouragement to me. And I love, I love God's Word. I, I love everything about it. I would also like to thank everybody that gave me cough drops. They are helping, and they're doing wonderful. I was even sharing them with Pastor Wall, because he was struggling too. And uh, so now, I, where's Pastor Ogden? There he is. Pastor Ogden, please make sure you're here for the invitation. We don't want the Holy Spirit to, to be hindered by my singing, amen? <laughs> Especially with this voice, all right, you know? Uh, so anyway, but I, I, absolutely wonderful portion of Scripture. Uh, just a little bit of a quick update. So um, I got some extra treatment I got to do. It's not bad. It's not bad. Everybody that, that uh, found out that I got to do the radiation was like, uh, you, you, everybody kind of had a sad face. This isn't sad. This is great, and the reason why it's great is because this is it. This is like they're chasing down. I look at it as they're eradicating what's left of the live cells. They're just going through my body, finding what's left, and killing it. Amen? We don't need that stuff in me. Most hospitals at this point would just kind of uh, monitor, but my hospital's not playing around with that. But I've never been so excited about hearing itty-bitty specs. Right? I've survived stage 4 colon cancer twice. Um, and so hearing itty-bitty, that's, that's exciting to me. That, that is exciting. I love that. And so now i got to do a little bit of radiation, and then um, the, the oncologist is happy. Everybody up there is happy, so I'm, I'm in a good mood about it. I did have that fear, though, that fear. So when I went in for my PET scan, they're like, okay, so we, we, know, we, we know about these little itty-bitty specs, uh, but there's an anomaly on your brain. I'm like, oh, no. What next? And I'm not going to lie, I kind of cried. Not out loud, but I did like the man cry, like, ugh. Anyway, so, so then we had to do an MRI. So they did the MRI, and uh, it was all clear. And uh, so that, hey, you know, all that worrying that I had about my brain was for nothing. You should worry about my brain, but I'm not worried about my brain, amen? But here we are. So title of this message is Never Fall. And uh, as we, when we're looking at Second Peter 1, so we have, I, I want to I start with this. We have a Savior that not only became our Redeemer, but that he's also provided eternal life. We have a wonderful God that has given us promises from his word to guide and encourage us. Romans 8, 30, uh, 32 says this, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You know, one of the, I think some of the problems that I know that I face in, in my faith is, is worry and doubt. And, and you know, I, I don't know if God wants to bless me as much as he's blessed somebody else. I, I don't know if God wants to take care of me like he's taking care of, uh, of others. <coughs> and the problem with that is, is I have to make an assumption that God loves them more than he loves me. I have to make an assumption that God cares more about them than he cares about me. But the Bible clearly teaches us that God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't look and say, you know what, Brother John, I love you more than Pastor Jeremy. He doesn't do that. The respecter of persons is he doesn't hold preference for one person over another person. He loves us all. When Jesus died on the cross, he shed his blood for all the same amount that he, he shed it for all. And so when, I, when I'm looking through the Bible, and I, and I love this portion of Scripture, why? Because when I look at verse number 3, I love this. It says, according as His divine power. Amen? Amen? Why do we, why do we, always, look at, uh, why do we always look at God as that He doesn't have divine power? 
Why do we always have that, like, oh, I know I'm praying to the, the God of creation, but does he really want to answer my prayer? Yes, he does. And he says, according to his, as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to, his, to glory and virtue. And so God loves us, God cares about us, and he wants to work in our life. So this morning I'd like to show you uh, a promise that most people overlook. But first let's look at a couple other promises. So, because when we look at verse number four, he says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. What a wonderful portion of scripture, isn't it? Exceeding great. Now, I, when I think of things, uh, my mind can wander, right? My mind can wander. Okay, so what is exceeding and what is great and what is precious? Well, some of those precious promises. Precious, the word precious means costly, honored, promised. Self-committal by assurance of conferring some good. Precious promises for us. Very first promise I can ever think of is this, right? Eternal life. I am born again. I know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. John 10, 28, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Facing cancer, I can tell you right now, one of the greatest comforts I ever had was I know where I'll be if things go south. Amen? The devil can't rob me of that. The devil can't take that away from it. My own thought pattern and my weaknesses in my mind and fear can't rob me of the simple fact that I am a child of God. I will be with him one day, hopefully later than sooner. Amen? But anyway, going on. So he's given me eternal life. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, we would love during the invitation an opportunity to show you from God's word how you can know him as your Lord and Savior. Amen? Going on, not only that, but he's also given us peace. Oh, a peace that passes understanding. Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I love Philippians 4, 7. <coughs> the part I love about this, I'm a little jealous. Where's Pastor Ryan? Did he run off? He got up here and he said he was the epitome of health today. I felt like that was a dig at me. Just taking it personal. But I'm going to give him a pass because did you see that beard? Oh, so I'm, that's what I'm jealous of. Not his health this morning, but that beard. But anyway, I'm half Native American. When I grow a beard, it, it, it looks half Native American. But anyway, going on. So peace. Peace. Philippians 4, 7. That, that, that peace and power, right? <clears throat> that which passeth all understanding. That is something that I would read this verse. And I didn't quite understand that verse until the trials I faced these past two years. Those moments, it was about this time last year, I thought I was dead. I'll just be honest with you. November of last year, that tumor was so bad that it would, it would double me over in pain. But I don't know how many times I would sit there and I would pray and I would beg God and then he would just bring peace into my heart. And it just felt like he was going to say, it's going to be okay. Peace. Not only that, but he also gives us a personal relationship. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. When I, when I, when I think of verses like Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, I, I, I kind of, for me, I, I'll get stuck in this mindset of like, okay, why am I not experiencing power in my own life? What is, what is the, the hindrance that I'm, I'm missing? And you know, every single time I do a self-diagnostic of what's going on in my life, I realize I'm the reason why I'm not experiencing what I should be. 
There's something missing in my life. Maybe I'm letting worry have too much, uh, take too much root in my life. Maybe it's, maybe it's the fact that I haven't been in God's Word studying. I know one of the problems that I have is I can read God's Word. I can go from chapter to chapter. I can go from you know, chapter to chapter, and I'll forget what was in the previous chapter. I also have this other bad habit that when I get to a chapter where there's common verses in it, I'll only remember the common verses. And so I had to stop myself and I'd say, self, I didn't really do this, but self, what you need to do is you need to go back and you need to read. Read around those other verses that you already know. Notice what is there. And man, that was life, uh, that, was, that was so changing in my life to learn of God and to start learning those different things. Just like in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, when you read, how many of us, as soon as I said Romans chapter 12, we thought one and two? Who would be honest? Thank you for the honesty. Thank you for the honesty. Amen, I like that. Now, how many of you weren't being honest there and didn't raise your hand? <laughs> But, you know, there's some, wonderful chat, there's some wonderful verses in Romans chapter 12. And if I'm going to grow in that relationship with God, i got to know all of God. Always look at that as a relationship. Every relationship should be changing us. And as I'm learning and growing in Jesus Christ, this relationship should be changing me in a positive way and closer to Him. It should be driving me further away from sin and more into sanctification meant for His holy use. Amen? Not only that, not only has he given us eternal life, peace, promises, a personal relationship, but he's also given provision. Provision. What a wonderful promise. Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now it doesn't say to supply all your wants. Now how many of us have a bigger want list than a need list? Ooh, I do. I do. I do. If you know anything about me, I love cars. I love going fast. I was talking with one of the law enforcement officers last week that, that do security, and he made the comment, he goes, I just don't know why they make cars that go so fast. And I had a simple response, a real educated, simple response. You ready for it? They're fun. <laughs> I would not mind. I would not mind a Dodge Hellcat. Oh! <gasps> What? Yeah, I would. I would not mind that one bit. I would not mind 700 horsepower engine to propel me through a roundabout. Just saying. <laughs> I'll probably just skip the roundabout and go right over it, but I wouldn't mind that one bit. Now, I, actually, that's not something you really need out here because you don't really have, like, wide open spaces. Wyoming, a Hellcat would be awesome. It would be fun. You know, but, I, you know, that's a want. That's not a need. And sometimes we, we, we try to confuse wants with needs. Well, I need this. Do you really? Or is that what you want? But God has made a promise to supply all our needs. You know, through all the trials that I've been through in the past two years, God has never failed to meet one of my needs. Not once. Cancer's not cheap. Bills have all been paid. Food has always been there. Uh, you know, and I can't thank this church enough for everything. We're, it's Thanksgiving, you know, we're Thanksgiving weekend still. I can't thank people in this church for, not, for, for, not, for, for all that, the good that you've done in my life, in my family's life. What a huge blessing it has been to see that love. And I think that's how God supplies some of our provisions through his people, his, his children. Not only that, but he's also given us one, another promise. Victory. Amen. I like to win. Should have been a lot more male amens there. (laughs) 
Now, I'm a guy, if you did not know, right? <clears throat> and as a guy, I have this, this competitive streak about me. I'm bad at it. I'm really, really bad. That's why I have to stay away from the gym right now. If I do anything other than go to the swimming pool, I'm going to get in trouble. Why? Well, I got a two-foot incision from like here all the way down from when they, uh, they, they uh, resected my colon. And then I got an 18-inch one that goes this way from, um, whatchamacallit, uh, liver. When they, they took 60% of my liver. And then I got another one from my ileostomy. You know, so I got a few scars, right? And I could go to the gym and, and I could do some light lifting and stuff like that. Here's the problem, my ego. I know that about me. Why? I like to win. I'm competitive, you know. Somebody grabs a weight that's heavier next to me. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get something heavier. Why? That's just who I am. It's wrong. I'm not saying it's right, but that's that competitiveness in me, you know. Um, I have a friend. We've been friends since high school. Um, I'm telling you, anytime we get into a conversation, it's competition. It drives my wife and his wife absolutely insane. It's just the way we are. Now, I'm not talking about those kind of victories, but what I am talking about is victory over sin, victory over death, victory. 1 John 5, 4 says this, for, who, what, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. You can look at what's going on in society today and you can say, oh, it's all bad. And there is a lot of bad, isn't there? But you know, it's also an opportunity for us to shine as much as we possibly can for the Lord Jesus Christ. I said this in Sunday school, and you've heard me say this, and I'm going to say it again. The darker the situation, the brighter the light. The darker the situation, the brighter the light. And as it gets bad out there, I have an opportunity to shine for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and when things are going bad in other people's life, I have a chance to shine. I have a chance to, to, to be an encouragement. I have a chance to show them the power of Jesus Christ working in life. You know, listen, one of the biggest things I've experienced is just how nice it is to get simple encouragement. Laying in bed, sick, you know, from chemo and different things like that. I don't know how many times I would open cards. And they'd just be wonderful. They'd just be encouraging. Just simple things like, I'm praying for you. That, that would mean a lot when you're sitting there and, and you're struggling in this thing, wondering what's going to be the next thing, and then you read you know, card after card after card of people just writing a nice little note or just saying, hey, we appreciate you, we love you, and we're praying for you. means a lot. That is a part of being a light. So some of the promises. And we're partakers of these promises. Share, associate, companion, fellowship. That's what partaker means. We have fellowship with the Holy One of Israel. Amen? As we sit here this morning, we are partakers with Jesus Christ and all that God is doing. But not only that, we've, not only that, but we've also escaped corruption. You ever miss out on something bad? I've missed out on a lot of good. I read the testimony of a lady. She had some friends. They, they offered her an investment opportunity. And she said, that sounds dumb. And she didn't give them any money. Well, it was this little company called Yahoo. <laughs> $1,000 would have made her a millionaire. I, that would be bad. I mean, that would, that would be annoying. But something bad, something bad. I remember as a young man, I was, uh, I was I, you know, I've always been into cars. Part of the reason why I'm into cars is my dad. My dad is a, is a, a drag racer. He owns a couple of old Mopars. Um, 
And uh, so me, as a, as a young man, being around that, growing up around it, I wanted to go fast, too. And uh, so one day I was in, I was in my, my car, it had a little turbo on it, nothing fancy, but I just, you know, I was going faster than I should. And sometimes young men, we, we lack, and older men too, and myself, you know, we, we lack the attention to pay attention. We lack the ability to pay attention. Anybody, any wife, wives, have, their husband have that issue? <laughs> it's like, where's the ketchup? Anybody ever had that issue? Like, your wife's like, hey, where's the ketchup, babe? And she's like, oh, it's in the fridge. And you're like, oh, awesome. And you open the fridge, and you look, and there's no ketchup. You look in the door, there's no ketchup. And then you hear her get up from the couch, and then you frantically start looking for the ketchup. <laughs> but this is what bothers me. It's always behind the milk, the giant pickle jar that never gets consumed. <laughs> it's always tucked away. And then I'll hear, the, you could have moved some things, but you said I could see when I opened the door. But anyway, going on. So here I'm driving. I was going way, way, way too fast. And uh, I, I like to fly over these train tracks. And as you'd hit these train tracks, you could gain some air. Thank you, Nathan, right? You gain some air and get a little bit of a jump action going on. And then you'd, you'd hit the brakes, slow down a little bit. And uh, I remember I did that. And I looked in my rearview mirror. Wasn't a cop, but it was the train. I almost got killed by a train through my stupidity. I missed out on something bad there. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that God has saved my soul. I'm thankful not only that has he saved my soul, but he's, he saved me from a life full of sin. We've started faith recovery at this church. I wasn't raised in a church. I wasn't, I, I wasn't raised in that environment. I love my parents. They're wonderful, wonderful parents. Don't mistake what I'm saying. But I, I got into some problems. When I got out of the military, I got into drugs. I got into alcohol. I went downhill fast. I never touched alcohol until I, until I got out of the military and I started college. Went downhill fast. But you want to know the most amazing thing that ever happened? I heard a Baptist preacher... I was dragged to church, literally dragged to church. I had attitude. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be around these folks. I didn't like the environment. But you know, something got a hold of my heart in that message, and I went forward. I was saved. I was hiding among the lust. I was saved at 12 years old in a, in, on a Wednesday night at a small Baptist church. God got a hold of my heart that Sunday. I gave him my life, and now I'm serving him. And when I look back at the direction I was heading, and I look at where my life is now, I am thankful that I've missed out on that life, and God gave me something different. Amen? But then we, so, now we come to this, this verses 5 through 7, though. I was also given permission to quit early. Justin Jackson said, if you quit at 1120, we're good. Are we done? Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding, Justin, just kidding. I love that man. He's a wonderful guy. So here we are in verse number five. And so if you look with, look with me here, it says this. And besides this, giving all diligence, notice that next word, add, right? Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. So now God is telling us, okay, hey, here's some wonderful, wonderful promises. 
Here's, you know what I've done for you. You know these different things, right? Now, as a believer, I want you to grow in your faith. I want you to add some things to your Christian character, right? It's kind of like kindness. When you think about the Bible says to, to brotherly kindness, right? You know, you know the Bible literally commands us to be kind? Ephesians 4.32, be ye kind. Think about that. The word be there means the state of becoming. You're not kind. Now as a born-again believer, you need to be kind. Amen? Remember that when the waitress gets your order wrong. I've never seen Christians lose so much of their outward testimony other than when their order is wrong. Excuse me. This wasn't prepared properly. You can take it back and I'll take something free. What? What? I've seen Christians, and I've seen Christians, and they're getting served, and uh, it's a little cold, or the, the, the coffee's a little wrong, or so, I mean, something. And they, they, go from the, they go from praise God, hallelujah, to, you know, model Christian to, whew, there goes your tip. I, I got to practice. You ready for it? I said this in Sunday school. I got to practice. If my waitress or waiter's in a bad mood, it is my opportunity to get them to smile and chuckle. I don't know what kind of horrible people they've had to put up with up to me. I don't know what's wrong in their life. I don't know what they've faced prior to sit, coming to my table. But now they've come to my table, and I have the opportunity to turn that frown right, side, right around and make it an, a... How do I say that statement? <laughs> Losing everything, and my mind is all gone. It's called chemo brain. It's a thing. It's a thing. Amen? Despite what the staff might tell you, it's real, all right? I'm just saying. <laughs> but to turn that frown right side, why can't I say it? <laughs> I'm just having fun this morning. I... But to make them smile. Amen? Let's just go with that. <laughs> but to put a smile on their face. I still remember it was a while back. This is free. This is not in my notes. It was a while back. I was in Rhode Island. And uh, I was there with family. We had family that at that time lived in Rhode Island. And, I mean, you want to meet the kindest people on the planet? New England, right? <laughs> they are so fast-talking, so irritated about everything in life. It's awesome, you know. And so I, I saw I, it was a Saturday morning, and I, and I was going to get everybody Dunkin' Donuts, you know, because in Wyoming, we don't have things like donut shops, right? <laughs> like, I'm serious. Anyway, so, well, there was that one, but it wasn't that good. But anyway, so uh, I'm down at this, this thing called Dunkin' Donuts, and I'm getting like a dozen donuts, and I'm going to get myself one of these cool coffees, you know. And uh, so I'm looking there, and I'm just looking for an opportunity to interact with people. Why? Because I cannot do silence. I, I can't. I can't do silence. If, I, if I'm in a group of people and everybody's quiet, it drives me insane. I have to talk. I have to strike up a conversation. I just, it's just the way I am. It, it annoys my wife so bad because we'll be sitting like at the airport and I'll just start talking to people. And she's just like, no. <laughs> you know? So here we're at, we're at, I'm at Dunkin' Donuts and I'm waiting. And you hear everybody like, I'll take this, I'll take this and make it fast. And I'm hearing that kind of conversation, right? And I look over, and there's this, this lady, this elderly lady. And she's just sitting there all by herself, and she looks like somebody spilt tea on her toes and then stepped on them. Just, and, and here's, you could tell she was money. 
I mean, her hat looked more, it looked more valuable than my house, right? I mean, just, you could tell. It might have all been from wish.com or whatever, but I'm telling you, she looked like she had money. And so, but she looked so mad. And so I went, I'm going to make her smile. I went over, struck up a conversation. She was so cold. (laughs) It was awesome. By the end of that conversation, she was chuckling, and she took one of my gospel tracts. And, you know, I didn't have a chance to witness there, but I, I just simply asked, man, would you please read this for you? What the truth on this, on this thing right here changed my life. And she said, young man, I promise you I'll read this. I don't know how many times we don't, when I was there, I don't know how many times we'd be at the bus stop, people would be mad. Oh, there's my wife. <laughs> now I'm in trouble. All right, so... <laughs> We'd be at the bus stop and just talking to people. And they're so busy with their life. But if you just encourage, and not encourage, but just put on a smile and just add a little kindness, you could go really far. So some of these things that we're adding, not only kindness, but I want you to think about this, faith. Faith, a reliance upon Christ for salvation. A reliance upon God in this life. Assurance, belief. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God wants us to pursue him. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 31, one of the, I love this verse. Um, let's just turn there real quick because my brain's dying on me. <clears throat> but in Proverbs chapter 1, I want, I want you to see this, this, this verse. All of Proverbs is absolutely, absolutely amazing. But this verse here, just I don't know what it is about me, but it really, really hits me. I said 31. I was wrong. 33. It says here in verse 33, Proverbs 133. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. So here I am, I'm looking at this, and, and, and I looked up that word hearkeneth. And the context of the word hearkeneth is to pursue with curiosity and eagerness. And this is what it said. Like a cat playing with a ball of yarn. God wants us to pursue him with curiosity and eagerness. What is it he wants to do in my life? How does he want to bless my life? What direction does he want to put me on? Well, how can I glorify him when I'm pursuing him? That's what God wants us to have, that curiosity, that eagerness in our lives. And you know what? It comes with safety. Amen? Faith. Now, he had, now another thing that he tells us to add is virtue, service. Service. The practice of moral duties from sincere love to God and his laws It's virtue and religion. I think it is absolutely vital that everybody that is born again find a place to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody that knows him as Savior should be serving the Lord in some shape, form, or capacity. What am I doing for the cause of Christ? And if you're wondering here at this church, we have a plethora of opportunities for people to get involved. Next thing that he, add, he says, add knowledge. This is that, that, that relationship building. A clear and certain perception of that which exists 
or the truth in fact. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Every single relationship we have has made an impact on who we are, whether negative or positive. Our relationship with Jesus Christ should positively be changing us. Amen? It should be making a difference in our lives and shaping and molding us for his holy use. But it's not going to happen if I'm not growing in knowledge with him. It's not going to happen if I'm not applying my life in the things that I'm being taught. We come to this next one, temperance or moderation. Moderation, particularly habitual moderation in regard of the indulgence of the natural appetites and passions. I like this word right here, self-control, or better yet, spirit control. This past Thursday was Thanksgiving. I wish I could stand up here and say that I moderately ate my dinner. I did not. I indulged a little bit too much. It was delicious. We had ham, we had turkey, we had stuffing, and then there's some other stuff people eat, but I don't touch, right? What's that stuff? Cranberry? Gross, right? <laughs> Disgusting. You know, I don't know. Look, look. <laughs> to me, I'm a simple eater. If at one point it was breathing, I'm good with it. <laughs> you know? And maybe some eggs, you know, but like deviled eggs. Oh, those are so good too. You know, but I wasn't moderate, right? You know, I overindulged. But here, here's some of the things. In my life, I should have the ability to have control. Amen. I should have ability to control. You know, I should have some discipline in my life. You know, reading God's word should, be not, should not be something that we look at as an inconvenience. Oh, I'm so busy today, i got to get this done, this done, and this done. No, God's word should be a priority in our lives. It really, really should. I remember going through basic training. Oh, what a lot of fun basic training was. Amen, Keith? It was great. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing like meeting people that want to make you a better human being by hating you. <laughs> and, uh, but you see, during basic training, you know, we, we weren't allowed to make phone calls and we didn't have, you know, technology and cell phones and stuff like that back then. We had, kids, listen up, we had to do these things called letters. We had to write letters and people would send us letters. And I remember every single night we'd line up for a mail call and you would hear your drill sergeant read off some, so-and-so, private so-and-so, private so-and-so, private so-and-so. And all you would do is sit there and wait for your name to be called so you could hear from home. It was special. It meant something to hear from loved ones writing to you. Hey, God's word is his love letter to us. We should be reading it. We should be studying it. We should be taking a look at it. We should be a lot applying the principles and the truths that it's teaching us to our lives so that we can be better met for, this, for His kingdom. This world is getting dark, but if we're not getting fed, we're not going to be, we're not going to be that much of a light. Amen? Patience. Oh, this one's terrible. I don't like Patience. Thank you. I, I don't like when people try to be over-spiritual, like, oh, I'm so patient and I love practice. I don't like practice, right? Listen, my sister, I love her. Her microwave wasn't working. She wanted me 
to heat up my food, the leftovers, on the stove. What kind of junk is that? <laughs> I should be able to take my stuffing, my ham, my Hawaii, homemade Hawaiian roll, make my little sandwich thing with that, put that in the microwave, and in 10, 15 seconds, I should be good. Now I have to get the stove started, I have to put the pan over it, and I have to keep food separated, blah. That was, I didn't like, I'm not patient, I'm not a patient person. I'm not a patient person. But God says patience. What's patience? A calm temper which bears evils without murmuring. Oh. <laughs> Hold on. A calm temper which bears evils without murmuring or discontent. <laughs> How many of us like to murmur? Oh, I don't like it. I just do it. <laughs> and I'm not supposed to, right? <laughs> but with murmurings or discontent. Also, remember this. Never pray for patience. Why? Because the Bible tells us how do we get patience? By trials and tribulations. So if you're like, why is all this happening? I just prayed for patience. Well, you prayed for problems. So there you go. Anyway, going on. So, patience. Then we come to this next one. Godliness. Obeying God out of, love, out of a love for God. A religious life, a careful observance of the laws of God and a performance of religious duties, proceeding from love and reverence for the divine character and commands Christian obedience. 1 Timothy 4.8. For bodily exercise profit little, but godliness is profitable in all things, having promises, uh, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. God wants us to obey him. God wants us to go forward in him. God wants us to show other people that we belong to him. I need to honor my father. I need to honor him with my outward actions. I need to honor him with my inward actions. Amen? And we come to brotherly kindness. I'm going to skip over brotherly kindness because I talked about it already, but that brotherly kindness, that love of the brethren. But the next one he says here is this, and it is charity. You know, in our country, we used to not have things, I just lost what they're called, government assistant programs. Welfare. Do you know Why? Because as the churches used to meet all those needs. The churches used to meet all those needs. Now we have a problem in our society where everybody wants a handout. We used to live in a society where people looked at a handout as, as a humbling aspect of their life. You know, but now we just, we just throw money at things and think it's going to fix everything. I don't know if you remember a while back, the government was, handing, was sending out mass checks. People were getting $6,000 checks. They were getting monthly checks. They were getting uh, increased unemployment. And, you know, the purpose was to help supply income from COVID, blah, blah, blah. You know, I, have, I, yet to met, I, I haven't met a single person that wasn't that great financially that didn't blow all that money. I remember talking to people that I was working with in the county jail. They got out of the county jail, working with them on probation now, and they'd quit their jobs. Why? Well, they're, they're going to take a vacation. That's terrible. That's horrible. I remember I asked the one fellow, I says, okay, so you got a check for $6,000. What are you going to do with it? He goes, man, he goes, I'm going to blow it. I'm like, why not pay off some of your debt? Well, I've worked a lot in my life, and I feel I deserve this break. It's terrible, terrible. So I understand that society has shifted a lot, so please don't mistake me. But you know, as Christians, we should still be loving the lost world and bringing them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
in a general sense, love, benevolence, and goodwill. I like being in a good mood. Anybody else? Thank you. I love being in a good mood. That disposition from the heart, which inclines men to think favorably of their fellow man, and to think favorably for their fellow men, and to do them good. In a theological sense, it separates supreme love to God and a universal goodwill to men. I am supposed to be charitable. Now we come to the last part of this. For if. So look what he says in in verse, verse number nine. I'm sorry, verse number eight. For if these things be in you and abound, they shall make you neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For if, notice, for if these things be in you and abound, abound, to have, to possess, in great quantity. God wants these areas to be abounding in our lives. They should be noticeable to a lost and dying world that these aspects are a part of who we are. But this is a conditional if. What do I mean by conditional if? If they are there in changing us, we will never be barren nor unfruitful. For if, if I'm adding and I'm doing and I'm allowing these things to change me, my spiritual life will never be barren or unfruitful. I want to glorify Jesus Christ as much as possible that I, I can. I shared a little bit about my past. Because of what God has redeemed me out of, I want to help those struggling with addictions. Because of what God has saved me out of, I want other people to know Him as Lord and Savior so they can have that same hope in their life. Even going through cancer, I want people to know the power of God in my life. And I testify of that. I want them to know what God has done in my life so that they can have hope that God will do that in their lives. I want them to know Him, and I want people to praise Him. So why do I put a smile on? Because I want to glorify my Savior. Why do I want to be in a good mood? Well, it's fun. It's nice. It's enjoyable. But not only that, listen, cranky Christians don't make a difference in this world that is positive. Positive Christians will. Those that have that hope that is shining through them will make a difference. The knowledge, knowledge. Now, if we are allowing these things from verses 5 through 7 to abound and change us, we will draw closer to Christ and we will know fellowship with Christ and be partakers of his promise. Knowing Christ is knowing power with Christ in this life, but lacking these things. Now, let's look at verse number 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. When these things are not here and abounding in us, we are blind. How many, I don't know how many times I've said, I just don't know how God is going to work. And I'm not saying it from a point of hopefulness. I'm saying it from a point of doubt. I don't know how God is going to. The problem is, is I'm not adding. I'm not growing. I'm not allowing him to change me. Trust is a major aspect of our faith. I have to trust that God will perform his good work until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? 
But that's not, me, that's not for me just to sit and do nothing with my faith. That is an opportunity for me to apply and add his truth to my life. And as it's changing me, I can expect to see him work for good. We know that all things work together for what? Good. But what does the next two parts say? To them that love God and are called according to his purpose. I need to be putting forward that love, that appreciation. Why shouldn't I praise my Savior for all that he's done? I'll never put my head one night on my pillow in fear of hell because of my, my, my salvation. Amen? That alone is enough to praise my Savior. Some people I've talked to and met, they live in a, a constant state of spiritual failure. They're blind. Romans 10.3, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, and have not submitted themselves under the righteousness of God. I need to be submitted to Him. Sometimes we forget that we have been purged from our old sins. I, I, I love this verse, 1 Corinthians 6.11, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I, I love that verse. I, I don't know how many times I've seen Christians, they get into church and, and, and they, 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 they get problems out of their lives and they start you know, going and they're reading and they're studying and, and they get to that, that, that excited, hopeful phase where they're going to let everybody know that they're saved. They're going to be handing out gospel tracts. They're going to tell everybody about Jesus Christ and, and then people don't listen or people don't show up or a friend disappoints them and they're like, oh, that's it, I'm done. Or sometimes they stay in church, but they, they just don't think that some things work anymore. Or, or they get, they get kind of callous in how they look at other people, and, and they, look at, they look at the outside world, and they, they say, oh man, you know, the, 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 they don't look at them for the hope what could happen there in a soul that gets saved. But they just look at, at people as people that, that are inconveniencing their life. My responsibility of a Christian is to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and then to be a light for, the, for, for Jesus Christ and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I can't be an effective witness if I'm not allowing his word to change me. If I'm not adding and growing in these different areas, if I'm, if I'm not practicing charity, if I'm not practicing kindness, if I'm not practicing virtue, if I'm not increasing my faith, if I'm not looking for opportunities to grow in my faith. Uh, a man at our old church in Wyoming, I remember he said this one time, Henry. He said, we should welcome circumstances that require a miracle. Because then the only answer is God. But when those circumstances come into our life and we need a miracle, if I'm not close to him, I don't see it for the opportunity that it is. I look at it in a negative light. Because I'm blind and I can't see what God's trying to do. But there's one more promise I want to cover as I close. If you do these things. Look with me in verse number 10. Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if, there's that if again, you do these things, you shall never fall. If I'm adding, I'm growing, God has given me one more promise here. I won't fail. I'll keep going forward. 
always abounding in the work of the Lord. When I look at this portion of Scripture, I just can't help but think God is awesome. Amen? I love being saved. I love being, a, I love being in church. I love being a pastor. I love sharing His Word. I love preaching His Word. But on top of all of that, I love the simple fact that I am redeemed and I never have to worry about hell. And my life is different. But I still have a responsibility to add and grow and be developed in Him. He gives us so many wonderful promises. Promises hope, help, security. Then He gives us an, uh, an outline attached to a promise that if we allow, follow, we will never fall. Ask everybody to bow their heads as we close. When I look at the truth of God's words, I can't help but think of how wonderful He is. When I think of my Savior and all that He's done for me, I can't think of just how wonderful He is. Why wouldn't I brace the opportunity to grow, to follow, and be developed in Him? Pastor Ogden.